All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Thirsty Thursday, number seven. This week, we're talking truck company operations. Um, we've got a little technical difficulty going on right now with with uh, Bobby down below and uh, Arthur Ashley, who is going to be joining us from Kentucky. Um, got stuck in some traffic, but he's going to come in here shortly. But we're going to kick it off. Uh, again, I'm Ben, uh, Eastern Shore, Maryland. Uh, worked uh, part-time in Ocean City for a couple years with Trevor and Bobby. And now volunteer in Salisbury, Maryland. Um, been here for about 13 years and uh, happy to be here, work with these two great guys and, and excited for our conversation tonight. So I'll kick it over to Trevor and, and we can go from there. Great. Thanks a lot, Ben. Appreciate it and appreciate everybody tuning in again this week. Uh, really excited. Uh, tonight we have uh, Arthur Ashley from down in Kentucky. He's a captain down there. We've had the privilege of uh, training with him quite a bit and uh, known him for several years. And uh, as soon as he gets back to his house and can log back on, he'll be joining us here in a few minutes. But I've really look, been looking forward to talking about trucks and truck work because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of places and people that say they do truck work and it's can, can be kind of lacking in a lot of ways. And so we're going to talk about whether or not you have an aerial device or not have an aerial device, what we can do as far as getting that truck work done. Um, that's where my passion is and, and some of the things I like the most, you know, obviously a truckie at heart. These are some, but these are, these are some of the things that uh, we'll, we'll bring up tonight and uh, we'll talk about some different methods and some different things that we can do as the, uh, you know, the first in truck company or the first in piece of apparatus, especially for those departments that don't have special services immediately responding with them or right on their tail. Um, just by way of introduction, if we have anybody new joining in, um, Trevor Steedman, I work with uh, Ben and Bobby up in Maryland. Like I say, we've done a lot of uh, training with Arthur, uh, both in Maryland and out at FDIC, and uh, worked up there in Ocean City for many, many years, retired, came down here, and I'm a chief down here in South Florida now. So just enjoying the sunshine and uh, looking forward to the webcast tonight. So with that, we'll kick it over to Bobby for his comments. Well, good evening, everybody. Cheers. Uh, Bobby McGee, uh, been in the fire service for 32 years. Uh, started in a small town in Millville, Delaware, which is where I'm sitting now. It's not as small as it used to be. Uh, working in Ocean City, Maryland, a lieutenant uh, down there. I've been there for 20 years. Uh, done all kinds of other teaching and stuff you don't really hear about. But Trevor and I, we'd like to go around the country and do some teaching and things together so we, we have a good time. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about this. I know in my very beginnings in the fire service, uh, we didn't have a truck in the volunteer fire department I started in. And, um, you know, we, we essentially threw one line at a fire, and if it didn't work, then we sent a second line at a fire, and if it didn't work, we kind of, that was kind of, it was not uncommon back in those days to have, you know, two or three inch and a half lines going down a trailer's hallway <laughs> where you couldn't even walk. Um, so, you know, it's very uh, important for us to really be cross-trained in truck and engine work. We just don't have the manpower or staffing um, to be able to have uh, exclusive trucks and engines per se uh, in most of the areas around here. Um, you know, work is moving in that direction, but it's still not there. Um, so it just requires more tools in your toolbox, I suppose. Uh, but hopefully after we get Arthur on here, we talk about it a little bit. Um, a lot of it has, a lot of what has to happen is what we call prioritization of tasks. So if you look at a large urban fire department, um, they'll get 40 or 50 people online in a very short period of time. 
uh, and they all kind of go to work in, in unison. So the truck is taking care of the truck work, uh, the engine's taking care of the engine work, uh, the battalion chief's doing 360, or the second battalion chief's taking the, the rear side view, um, and they kind of all go to work together. Um, all of my experience has been much more singular, where you, you know, an engine gets there, and an engine's going to be working for a period of time, and then maybe a chief gets there, or a special services piece gets there, um, and they're going to be doing their thing. But a lot of the times, you know, if you have people trapped or you have things going on, like the engine shows up and you don't have a truck, someone's got to open the door. It's just, you know, and if the engine gets done knocking the fire down and the truck's not there yet, someone has to search the place. We have to get hidden flannel pajamas out. So uh, for us, it's a whole lot of more sequential than maybe the cities are, but the skills are identical. You know, how to take an inward opening door, how to take an outward opening door, how to cut a, a louvered vent hole, how to, you know, do primary search and zero visibility vent enter search, those types of things. So um, it just, it that's why our training is, is really very similar to what those guys are doing in larger urban departments, but we're just, um, we're more linear, I guess. So uh, welcome everybody. Um, and uh, I'll turn it back over to you, Ben, and uh, see what your thoughts are. All right. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, one thing, just a, a thing that we kind of mention every week is we can see comments uh, that come in from Facebook and YouTube. So if you guys have questions um, or if you um, you want to make some comments, we'd love to see that interaction. Um, and we can, um, like I said, it pops up for us. So we, uh, we appreciate that. And uh, if you guys do have questions, we'll try and address those as we go. So please fill those up. Um, if you're not watching on Facebook or on YouTube, um, and you, or you need, you want to get to that website or that link, if you go to stbtraining.com is the website for strike the box training, the YouTube link, uh, and the video are there too. So, um, just a, a little recap of all that. So, uh, back to what Bobby was saying, you know, I, I totally agree. Uh, the, the first, um, the first department I started in, we had a couple stations and, and we didn't have a ladder truck and. I didn't, at the time I didn't know any better. Um, it was one of those things that you're here, you ride the engine and that's all that you do. And, and being in the position where I am now as a, as a captain with the Salisbury fire department and, and looking at kind of developing our members and, you know, when they start riding and where they want to go, all that kind of stuff, we've, the command staff has kind of made the decision that, Hey, you guys should ride the engine first, uh, get comfortable with that, be good firemen, know what to do because the the functions of the truck company are a little bit more independent um and and you really have to have a good head on your shoulders to to go do that kind of stuff um not saying that we're not going to teach them truck company operations and we're not going to go over forcible entry and uh vertical and horizontal ventilation and all those functions but um you know there's definitely a an um a knowledge gap i think from coming in to where you get to the point where you know, you'd feel comfortable doing those truck company functions. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely something that we, we see and that we try to, you know, provide a little bit more education before we, we put them out on our, on the, on the ladder truck staffing that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you got to absolutely have, like Bobby said, you pull up when you're on the engine, somebody's got to open the door. Um, I know we had a fire a couple years ago. Uh, the first engine arrived truck was was way far away and um so the engine's going in doing their job and and the assistant chief comes around on the back side and goes to vent the window for the crews as they're coming in so it's it's a combination of of everything going on uh to get the job done so 
just because we're talking truck stuff doesn't mean that you you have to have a truck in your department, but you have to have an idea of the knowledge, skills, and abilities that, that need to get done on the fire ground for those um, for those functions. Yep, Ben, I would agree with you wholeheartedly, and um, I'm going to get on my soapbox here just for a little bit. The truck company operations and truck work, it's just as much of a philosophy and a mentality as it is a function, in my opinion. And the reason I say that, it's almost like RIT. You can have all the colored tarps, you can have all the equipment, everything set out, but unless you have the right mindset and you come there ready to go to work and understand the parameters of the job you've been assigned, it becomes nothing more than a function on a, uh, on a tactical worksheet. And the reason I say that is uh, I see a lot of folks, especially, and this, this comes from our initial training, especially in, in some of the academies, most places aren't working in major metropolitan fire departments where engine just does engine work, truck just does truck work, and never the twain shall meet. A lot of times, uh, I've done just as much truck work on an engine as I have on a truck company. And that just it depends on where you are. The last uh, major fire that three of us were on, uh, that was the first assignment rolling up where we had a four-person crew. And uh, as you remember, Ben, because you, you were on my crew, we were going to split and uh, someone was going to throw the ladder to get the lady off the, off the uh, porch roof. And then the rest was going to stretch the line. Fortunately, we had some other people uh, you know, come on scene and we were able to you know, go right to the engine company work. But nevertheless, um, I want to look at you know, how, how is our apparatus set up? Even if we don't have an aerial device in, in our department, is that first engine capable of doing truck work? And Bobby, uh, you, I know that we've, we've trained to this a lot in Ocean City. A lot of departments train to this as well where part of the mentality of that engine chauffeur is once that line gets set, they're throwing the first ladder. Because any time a firefighter is operating above grade level, we need to make sure that we have a means of egress um, versus having to rush a ladder to somebody in a hurry. You know, we're, we're, we should be you know, throwing ladders, thinking about VES. And we'll talk about ladder selection and placement um, here in a few minutes. But what would really bother me is every, everyone has their passion. Some some people are engine folks. Some people are truck folks. Some people are technical rescue. Some people are EMS folks. That's great. That's wonderful. The bread and butter of what we do is lines and ladders. That's it. I mean, that's that's pretty much the, the basics. So what, and I, I will say this, and you know, if there's anybody watching who is a, uh, a manufacturer, a vendor for uh, apparatus manufacturers, I'm sorry, ladder racks are unnatural. I'm, I apologize in advance, but to me, when, and I know they become a lot faster, but when you have your ladders way up where you can't get them and you're not in a place where special services are right on your tail to throw those ladders, and you're going, hold on a minute, ma'am. Um, beep, 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 beep. Oh, just be a second, ma'am. The ladder rack has to come down. Beep. I'm sorry. It just have them, have them ready to go where you, can, where you can pull those things off, have your ladder complement flipped with the 24 or the 28, whichever you're carrying on the outside, because that's your most versatile ladder. So be ready to go to work. Um, I know there's some people that refer to ladders on an engine as ride wells because they ride well on the side, and the only time they come off is when they're being maintained or tested. Um, I got to throw the brown flag, the BS flag on that one. You know, ladders are a very important part of what we do. If they weren't important, they wouldn't be on the side of that engine. So you get in that philosophy that, that, that those ladders need to come up or, or come off that apparatus. They need to be accessible. They need to be quick. Um, you know, if we have 200 straps, uh, Velcro straps and, uh, you know, reten retention springs on there and they're not functional, you know, figure a way to be functional and quick with those ladders. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to get off my soapbox a little bit on that. But, you know, if, if we're going to carry the equipment, make sure it's accessible, make sure it's functional. 
And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. Uh, it looks like right now we have uh, Captain Arthur Ashley has just joined us and uh, very glad to see him. I'm going to let him do a little intro. But for those of you who've never met Art, uh, one of the great brothers in the fire service, we've had the opportunity to train with him a lot out in uh, Indianapolis as well as other places around this great country. Um, he's a guy, I think he knows a little bit about truck work. I'd say he's probably got a little more time on the roof than Santa Claus, if you want to know the truth of it. So uh, with, with that, Arthur, brother, uh, I'm going to pass it over to you for a little intro. And uh, I just got off my soapbox in my sermon about making sure that you can access your ground ladders and, and be able to throw them. But I'm going to pitch it over to you, brother, and I'll uh, give a little intro and start hey, Arthur, I got you start. I, I can't believe we had to delay 15 minutes for you to get that hair right before you come on here, brother. Well, it's a, it's a fashionably late, what they call it, isn't it? Fashionably late. So, uh, so I guess you can do that in the fire service unless you're going on on stage at FDIC. There's no fashionably late there. So, but uh, yeah, um, I've been in the fire service since 1986 and started as a volley. And, uh, you know, my first uh, first set of boots was three quarters, long coat, steel MSA tank, elephant trunk masks, uh, fireball gloves and a plastic helmet. My first fire at 17 was uh, was a basement fire, one of the worst fires you can have. So I learned quick that you don't spend a lot of time on the steps when you're going down into the throat of that. So, um, yeah, I've been with the city of Lexington. I'm coming up on my 27th year. And uh, I have always worked on the busiest uh, side of the city, Lexington. It's about a population of about 450,000, and that's with UK in session and stuff. And, and uh, we have 24 firehouses, and we probably do between 70 and 90,000 runs a year. Uh, firehouse uh, that, that uh, I was assigned to for 11 years was the 31st busiest in the nation. It, it, it was coming in at over 17,000 runs for that uh, for that station and uh they called it the house of pain i don't know why but they called it the house of pain and we come up with uh, a lot of uh, missed meals meaningless runs and sleepless nights but the meaningless runs part of it is uh few and far between when uh, when it comes down to it. when you work in the ghetto of a big city you're going to see stuff and uh, i tell anybody who works anywhere if you work the seedy side of town you're going to fires you're going to shootings stabbings, you know, civil unrest, everything, you're going to see it. Um, so I've always been on the busy side of town. I spent 11 years on the busiest engine company, and uh, then I went into special operations, and then I, I commanded a couple of ladderies, and, and here I am now. So I'm a, I'm a senior captain. There's 650 guys on the job, but I think I'm sixth on the seniority list. So I guess I'm considered an old man. And now in the fire department, I never thought that would ever get coming out of my mouth or anything like that. So um, signed to a ladder company still and uh, still making runs and coming up on in a couple months on my 50th birthday. And uh, I, I still love getting, you know, I don't take the test to go any higher and, and that's my choice. But if anybody wants to go higher, you know, take those tests. But I love where I'm at because I love working with the crew and out on the street and everything. But, you know, I ride up as bat chief so often, and that's a completely different. But, but uh, it's not a world that uh, that bothers me. But uh -oh. pretty well. So, and Arthur, I don't know if. Um... One of the questions I wanted to throw at you, and I know this is a topic of conversation, is 
there's a lot of departments out there, big and small, that have aerial trucks, whether it's uh, elevated platform, straight stick, what have you. And we talk a lot about there being a difference between having a truck and actually doing truck work. So would you mind taking a minute and just kind of talk about your philosophy on those two points? Well, I think he might be frozen up a little bit, but Bobby, I'll tell you what, I'll kick it over to you if you can hear me. Same same thing. What, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts? Sure, that's get that Kentucky internet's holding him up. So hopefully he can jump out and jump back in again. Um, yeah, I, I guess what I could talk about is just, you know, what what does truck work mean to me being predominantly on an engine? Uh, and part of, for me, it means skills. Um, you know, I've always kind of leaned towards the engine um, and had to learn truck work on, on the side. Um, and then I found out it was very, very important to be really good at doing a uh, force entry or uh, not getting lost inside of buildings on fire is a really big deal too, you know? So I guess the way to walk through, I, just, I walk through what would happen on an engine company for me um, where we'd add trucks. So we typically have three person engine companies. Um, we'd love to have four, but we don't always. And most of the time we have three. So if we have three, the idea is that the officer should get off with a set of irons, do a 360, kind of see what's going on. The firefighter should be proficient at pulling a line by himself to the front door, getting it prepared and everything. Um, and was as soon as the officer makes his 360 on like a residential structure uh typically it's about the same time the line's being stretched the timing actually works out fairly well for that uh the officer can walk up do a baseball swing um, if the door's not open if that doesn't work he can call the nozzle person up and say give me a hand and use the irons to get your forcible entry typically what i always try to do is i always try to take the irons and at least tuck them inside the non-hinged side of the door inside of the building uh, because other people tend to come without tools and steal them, you know. And then as the, as the line stretches in and advances, um, as a second person on the line, as an officer, uh, you start to peel off and just check rooms as you go closest to the fire. Hey, Arthur. He's still kind of locked up. Um, so uh, check the rooms closest to there. Um, and you may actually have to split the crew. And you may actually have, um, you know, the, the nozzle guy may have to actually have to protect the stairs uh, to go up and grab something. And on the other side of that, when you're talking about truck work, uh, we really do push for the drivers or the chauffeurs of the engine to be proficient at throwing ladders. Because if someone presents at a window, um, you really don't need a full crew to go get those people. Usually if they're presenting at a window, as long as that driver can get that ladder up and go up that ladder and just assist them onto the ladder, it's basically an assistance call to get them out. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things can happen. It's not as as, as, as good as having a full complement of engines and trucks on scene, um, but it's it's kind of our reality. Uh, but it's all about prioritization of your skills, uh, what you need, and working through. You there, Arthur? He's working on it. So, uh, yeah, I'm working on yeah, it. Yeah, you hear me? Yep, yep. 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 Can you hear us? Okay. <laughs> uh, Trevor, can you hear me? Yeah, Arthur, I got you. And I just, I just sent you a text. I'll tell them. What, so the boys make better bourbon in Kentucky than they do internet, but yeah, I can hear you brother. A little, little <laughs> choppy, but uh, we're, we're just talking about the, um, you know, the skill sets for doing truck work. And especially if you're in a place where you might have to do some off the engine, 
is you know, is having those skill sets and also bringing those tools with you to be able to do part of that job. Um, I know, you know Bobby talked a little bit about having to split the crew, and you know that's a decision that the engine officer is going to have to make. But you got to have that level of proficiency and not have the blinders on to say, okay, the truck's behind us because they may or may not be. They get hemmed up in traffic. You, anything can happen where you know that uh, that first new truck company and how many times uh, in our history, uh, Bobby and Ben. Sometimes we're working on a different end of the city and our first truck company might not be from the city we're working in. It might be a mutual aid truck just because of distance or traffic or travel time. Um, so that might not be the same crew SOPs that you're used to. Um, so you really have to get your, your poop in a group and make sure that you have the ability to at least initiate some of the basic truck company functions uh, you outside of the you know, aerial operations when you first get there. So Arthur, can you, can you hear us now, buddy? That was, that was, Can you hear me? Now it looks it looks like a mugshot. Oh, that's better. You're smiling now. It looked like a mugshot a minute ago. Um, you're, I think what you asked me was is that. Can you hear me? Yep, we got you, brother. Okay, okay. What I th what I think you asked me because the audio is a little 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 clear, but I think what you asked me was is. Companies that are responding that uh, 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 aren't in company and they are the uh, uh, these either delayed or there's coming or they're delayed with the truck company. And what are these what are these guys going to do when they go on scene in reference to, to truck work? Is that correct? What you were asking? Yes, ba basically, yes. And saying, oh, you know, OK, what's what's the difference between having a truck and actually doing truck work. I think I'll have to have Ben tell me what you said, because you're cutting out on me, but I can hear Ben very well. <laughs> he He's asking the, the difference in having a truck and doing truck work. Did that come through okay? Say that one more time, guys. I don't – listen, this got to be this Kentucky internet. Just got internet last week, so – in the whole state of Kentucky. So, I mean, we just got a toothbrush that we're sharing through the whole state right now. So, you know, you're going to have to give me, give me a little leeway here. I mean, I'm <laughs> up in between two hills and they're popping the sunshine in right now. So now it's, uh, uh, we're doing the best we can right now. So, um, I tell you what, I, I'm going to run with what I think you said when it comes to truck company work. Um, not everybody does truck work. There's a lot of people out there who are, are really good at engine work that everybody likes to be on the pipe don't get me wrong i'm a truck guy and i love to be on the pipe when i was on the engine but now i've got a different mindset and a different job but you know the fire service in order this day and time because of staffing because of cutbacks because of limitations on the equipment that you have the apparatus and everything i think that that the the firefighter of today is a, a, a jack of all trades and a master of many. And, and you know, you, you have to choose your first three disciplines is what I tell people. What, what do you really want to be good at? And I always say throw engine work in there w with it as well. Well, let me expand on that real quick. Um, there's a lot of guys find themselves in engine work, and there's a lot of guys who just pull a hose line from a truck, and there's a lot of guys who pull a hose line from a truck and go to work with it. Um, it says in the book it's – years and stuff that, and i believe and i believe this is a truck guy that more lives are saved by a properly placed hose line than anything we do and i and i firmly believe that 
But I always add, and everything that I teach or I speak, I always add this. That hose, that nozzle, has to be in the right hands of the right guy, pointed in the right direction and used correctly and efficiently for it to operate and save lives. I've seen guys waste 1,000 gallons of water on a fire, and I'm screaming, what are you doing? Well, when you show up on scene and you've got two engines or maybe a truck company that doesn't have any experience, every fire that you go to in this United States, if a hose line is pulled on a structure fire, there is some sort of truck work that's going to if those guys know that it's truck work or not. Opening windows, ventilating, uh, you know, salvage and overhaul, search. That's the biggest one right there, search and rescue. Um, if I was to tell any engine company, and I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say we've got an engine company that is on its way to a working fire uh, in an apartment complex. And it's, uh, let's say it's three-story apartment complex. Uh, let's say it's garden style. And that engine company is going to be there a long time by themselves because there's another fire going on. They know they don't have a ladder truck coming and they pull up on scene and their closest hydrant is 1200 feet away. Well, holy cow, based on what you got, and he's got a thousand gallons of water based on what you see, is this beyond the room? Is it out into somewhere else? Well, let's say we've got a pretty good portion of this apartment complex going and it's through the roof. Well, if you're any kind of an officer who's paid attention through the years and has experience, you're not going to put that fire out because it is beyond what you can do. Gallons per minute are not going to defeat these BTUs. So we go into truck mode, okay? We go into truck mode. And I tell guys that just because you pull up on an engine doesn't mean you're going to pull that hose line. Well, that 24-foot ladder can get to that third floor window. I promise you it will. So just like Trevor was saying earlier, you know, you got to know your ladders. You got to know the bedded links. You got to know the extended links. You got to have them accessible. And it doesn't matter what kind of fire run you are, you're going to. If you're pulling up on a ladder or an engine, throw your ladders. If you don't use them, guess what? It's training. And above anything else, it's muscle memory for you slamming that ladder around. Um, so these guys have to make a decision based on what they got. We're now in rescue mode because I've got an occupied multiple dwelling here. Fire well off on the third floor. Maybe coming from the second floor, it's running to the third floor. Now it's coming through the roof. Well, this is beyond what I can put out. Don't just stand there and look at it. And there's three of you on the engine. At least three of you can start rescues. This is not a two-in, two-out. I'm not a fan of two-in, two-out anyway because that is a that is a, a, an excuse not to go in. And I hate that. And, and I'll be honest on this show right here. If I've ever had a chief ask me, uh, why did, why did, why did uh, you had a three-man company, why did two of you go in? I always say, I thought I heard somebody. That's because those people need me. That's because that's what I took an oath to do. And I'm not going to stand back on some political stuff just because that uh, they say that we should do this based on this study, this study, this study, LODD and all that stuff. You know, if you are a true firefighter in this business, you know what comes along with it. You may not go home and stuff. And sometimes you just have to bite the inside of your jaw and you're going to be in some shitty places that you don't want to be. And but you could make a difference. So this engine crew back to them real quick. If there's people hanging from windows, communicate it. If you need more ladders, communicate it. One of the biggest things we fail at is communication. If that engine officer or whoever's on that truck fails to radio what's going on, there's no game plan coming in. Nobody knows what's going on. He needs three more 24-foot ladders to the rear. 
We are doing a VES on the second floor. Nobody knows what's going on. He's not asking for ambulance. He's not asking for anything. He's going to have to take the time to communicate. Don't hog the radio. Say it with plain English. Say what you need and what you're doing and go to work. Um, my biggest thing that I tell guys that these engine companies that are going in without ladders and going in without truck companies and things like that or one's delayed or it's a mutual aid, you're going to have to thank truck work sometimes because people come first. Always going to save them with a line. It's going to be a ladder or you taking a window and getting into them. And if a mother or if somebody's telling you where somebody's at, by all means, listen to them. Don't sit there and try to figure out what you're going to do. Your game plan should be made in your head, sitting at the kitchen table at the firehouse for this type of incident. Because if you're any firefighter, you will go through your head for every type of scenario you can think of. And you've at least got the first five to ten minutes of it what you're going to do, what you're going to say, how you're going to do it. I think between all of us here in this, in this, this webcast here, I think all of us would agree with that. Uh, I know, I, I, Ben, I don't know you. I, I don't think I've ever met you, have I, Ben? I, I, yes, but I've Not heard yet. your name. But, the, but those two other guys right there, I know those two other guys right there have played scenarios in their head. That way that they're ready when they get there. This is not a Keystone Cop operation. This is an operation where we go up, we get off the truck, and it's organized chaos. But it's beautiful. Nothing goes perfect. But if you at least make the effort to save somebody or rescue somebody, you've got my respect. If you stand at the truck and you don't know what to do, because I'll end it with this. Time is is a possibility okay it is also an opportunity time is an opportunity if you don't take that opportunity you're going to lose time and time is ticking away with people trapped inside unconscious or whatever needing you it's like ray mccormick said in his big speech at fdic you have a 50 50 shot of getting these people and what that comes from is is either you do it or you don't you're the calvary so you can't stand at the truck. You're going to be put in places. If you truly wanted the job, you're going to have the worst fire in your 20, 25 years sometime in your career. And you're going to have to make decisions. And time is opportunity on VES, on search. I don't know how many times I try to tell guys, when you go in as a truck company, because we're straight trucks in Lexington, no pump, no tank or anything. I don't touch hose. If I touch hose, I break out in hives. I have to take Benadryl and all that stuff. Plus dusty dimes from Kansas city fire says they dip it dog shit. So I really don't want to touch it. So, um, but the thing about it is, is that they're a truck company really needs to grab that hose. And I'll tell you right now, my guys on my truck know that I will have their ass if they stepped over a kink line. Kinks kill firefighters, takes gallons per minute away. The other time we touch hose is going up steps because I got to get that engine company out of my way so I can start my search and just help them make the push. So I don't go straight in and start searching, blah, blah. I try to move as fast as I can on a structure with no fire showing, but it's heavy smoke throughout. I try to find the fire and work my way back. Even with fire showing, I'm going to the body of fire. The reason for that is, is because the people who are closest to the fire need me before the guy who was in the room that I came into, they need me quicker because radiated heat, all that stuff, they're going to die first. I need to get to them first and work my way back out. So these engine guys, I think it's great that Aaron Fields, I, Aaron Fields is a friend of mine. There's a lot of guys out there doing a lot of good stuff. And the engine companies across the United States are starting to become more streamlined we're paying attention to getting these lines off the truck and getting into operation. 
But don't just think about the hose lines being streamlined. Think about truck work. You can't start an attack unless you force the door. That is that you are center stage. There is no other place on the job that you are center stage. And what I mean by that is, is when you go to the door, and I remember my first door uh, forcing it with uh, my officer in Lexington, I was nervous as hell because I've got all these guys standing behind me. And what are they waiting on me to do? Get up so we can go to work. Were they mouthing at me? Absolutely. Did it make me nervous? Hell yes. It doesn't make me nervous anymore because I'm at a point now where I tell guys, shut up, let them work. But you can't go to work unless you open that door. You're on center stage, and you better bring your best performance because everybody's watching, including the video, because you'll be on YouTube quicker than the drop of a hat. And so just the basics, just the basics. If you remember the basics, you will be a firefighter if you remember the basics because they can get you out of trouble. But I will say this, and I'll turn it back over to whoever Everything in this day and time is muscle memory and practice, muscle memory and practice. I know none of us here could eat times we put an SCBA on. I know all of us here could close our eyes and tell each part of that SCBA, put it on everything about it. Because why? It's muscle memory. I stepped to the front of the truck, put my air pack on the truck. I learned it from a captain. I stepped down, grabbed my air pack. Walk to the front of the truck, set my flashlight down, and Halligan on the front on the front bumper. Then I look at the structure while I'm putting my air on. I have purposely slowed myself down to look at that structure because if I was to put my air pack on my back and get out of that truck, I'll be honest, I would look at it, but I wouldn't pay attention to it. This slows me down, and it's one of the best things I ever did. Well, Arthur, I tell you what, that's that's some sage advice and just kind of dovetailing in on something that you said earlier. We, we talk about knowing the length of our ladders, the capabilities, limitations, uh, the bedded length, the extended length. So a lot of people, they just kind of remember what they did at the academy. And everything that we do on the training ground, sometimes we reinforce some really bad habits because, you know, I, I know a lot of state academies and I'm not poking anybody in the eye. But when we go, okay, engine company, you go in with your 16 guys, and okay, who's up next on the truck? And everything is very manipulated, and we get a very, very false sense because we're, we're trying to teach people that it's a coordinated effort between the engine and the truck with ventilation. We get that. Oh, we understand it. But there's times when we go, oh, crap, I'm on the engine. Now i got to do truck work, or I'm on the truck. And like Arthur said, you know, there's no excuse to pass a kink on a hose line. You know, we have to collectively work together. And I put it up here on the, uh, on the screen over in the comments. You know, how many of our folks know, that, you know, and we talk about the click method. Every time, that, every time that we click that extension ladder, you know, what are we gaining? You know, are we going, you know, 14, 28, 42, 56, 70, 84? You know, if, if, I, if I go ahead and, and do five clicks, I'm roughly at about six feet. Is that important for me to know? Absolutely. Is it important? And, you know, I've never once in my career, and you all tell me if it's different, I've never had the ladder police come out with a protractor and make sure my ladder was at 75.5 degrees, you know, make sure we understand what an optimum climbing angle is. We know what a little stick figure on the side on that sticker says, but we might have to put that ladder on top of a, uh, a hedgerow or the, the hood of a car or you know, anything to get, to get the job done. And I see, I, I love it when people throw ladders, but are you throwing them correctly? Is it meant so that we can get in the window and back out? Is it meant to access a roof or get out? But knowing the capabilities and limitations of that ladder, like Arthur said, 
That 24, can it get to the third floor? Yes. If you have a different configuration in your in, in your community, just like stretching lines, you look like a smacked ass when you stretch short. And it's it's a game of inches. You, you stretch one foot short, that's a huge difference from getting in a room or not getting in a room. You throw a ladder one foot short, and we had one of our friends, uh, Bobby and uh, Ben, who, you know, they, they threw a ladder short because the 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 uh, second string or the, the guys who didn't throw ladders on a regular basis and didn't realize they needed a 35, they threw a 24 to a window, and you had to have a, a very adept firefighter crawl out. Unfortunately, he made out okay, you know, a little bit of an injury, but nevertheless, um, you know, going back to that, you look at things like the click method. Are we are we training not only to success, are we training to failure? We don't do this in the academy enough where, like my folks, I'll throw a broken halyard drill in, in a heartbeat and say, okay, your rope just broke. That lady's still up in the window. Go get her. And they have to figure it out. And they become very adept at uh, improvising, adapting, and overcoming. Just because things don't go by the playbook doesn't mean that you can quit and or say, oh, well, the truck will get that. So I think there's some very important stuff. But, um, Bobby, could you talk for a minute about, I know because you, you're real heavy in the training like everybody else. What are some of the things that you've been able to do as far as trying to impress some of the ladder work and how it uh, incorporates in with that first in engine company as well? Um, well, I mean, first I want to speak a little bit about, uh, Arthur talked about, you know, visualization is a huge deal. Um, we're all going, all of us are going on 90% EMS runs. It's just kind of the way the nature of the business nowadays. And every single EMS run is fire training. How would I stretch? How would I get a ladder in that courtyard? You know, what would I do with that door? Holy cow, look at that door. Look at the locks on that one. You know, those types of things. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about vision, that's part of your visualizations. When you go out to the store to buy dinner, look at that store. Man, if this storeroom is off, what are we going to do? What are we going to do as a truck? What are we going to do as an engine? I mean, I think, you know, it's actually my wife goes, goes crazy because I'm looking for fire exits and stuff like that in the hotels. It's like, good Lord. Oh, I get the, I get the same thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, um, but what I do is, I, you know, and Trevor, you know me well, I, I, I have to have things worked out in my head. And then I don't, I I don't to, admit to it, but yes, I do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I look at ladders, I don't do truck work as much as, definitely not as much as Arthur does. So I kind of got to look, okay, second floor window is 10 feet plus whatever is at the bottom of the other sill. You know, third floor window is 20 feet plus whatever is at the bottom of the other, the, the first floor sill. You know, it's just the way I remember it. You know, one click is a foot. Yes, it's not quite a foot, but I don't care. It's, it's good enough for me. It gets me close <laughs> enough. It's no perfect angle. Um, that's, but that's math. there is nothing that can teach you ladders but throwing ladders. If you want to do a high section throw, you're going to have to practice it day after day after day after day after day, or you're going to be no good at it. It's just, if you want to go in between cars and spike a ladder on concrete and get to where you need to get and know how many clicks it's going to take to get there, uh, there's no book, there's no video, there's no YouTube, there's no nothing out there that's going to change what you do by physically actually doing it. I, mean, I know I've always thrown it off because I'm always coming off of an engine. So I'm always putting that ladder on my right shoulder and going towards the butt end of it. And I realized we, our ladder trucks actually have them flip the other direction. And so I started, I put one on my left shoulder and it's like, I started all over again. It was just, it was something I was so used to always doing on my right hand side. I felt like I could barely hold the ladder up on my left hand and I'm left-handed. You know, so I think I think it's got a whole lot to do with with just reps and reps. I mean, when you get to the firehouse, man, every day do something productive. 
You know, we all know how much downtime we got. When you're sitting around, nothing's going on. There's nothing on TV. Run out, throw, you know, throw some ladders. Just trick each other. Say, how are you going to get a ladder in there, bro? And and have the problem solving happen, you know? And then throw the ladder in there, you know? Uh, how, how much line do we need to stretch to the back of this place? I don't know. Well, let's stretch one. Let's do our hose stretch estimation. Let's kind of get that right. So I, I did have one thing while we got you on here, Arthur. And I, I know I think we're all, we're, we're all pretty much on the same mindset, but I – a lot of people are watching and kind of want to hear about this. And I think the biggest thing is like, we're going to just use a single story or let's say a two story house with heavy smoke showing and you show up. And what I really want to pick your brain about is what is your mentality? What is your thought process, uh, your attitude towards that particular call? So you're not doing the engine work. You're worried about the truck work. Walk through your mentality of, you know, um, what what your goal is, your goals are on an, on a simple incident. Uh, just walk us through what you're thinking in your head as, as a captain on a very, very busy ladder truck. Because uh, I think we all really want to hear, you know, what, what your thought process is coming up to it. Just a simple, regular, everyday working fire. So if you could talk about that, Arthur, that'd be awesome. Sure. Uh, you know, I've got my own routines. And one of my routines that I, that, start the day out with either driving in my vehicle to work or when I'm walking in the back door of the firehouse or, or when I'm stepping up and doing stuff, I always tell myself two things and that, uh, that helps me on my mindset. Hey, uh, we all have, you know, homes and we have kids and we have, you know, this and that going on. So sometimes I have to put myself in the mindset of where I'm going because, you know, I'm thinking about this or thinking about that. So, what I do is I tell myself two things. The very first thing I tell myself is that I'm going to a fire today. I'm going to a fire today. That way I'm not surprised. The second thing that I tell, so, that I tell myself is that I'm going to find someone in a fire. I, w- I am going to find someone. And the reason I tell myself that is, is I make it a challenge to myself when I'm doing a search to move on that primary fast and methodical. And I want to find someone because I've told myself that I'm going to find someone. I'm not going to be surprised that when I run into someone, oh my gosh, I found someone. I've already got a game plan of what I'm, I'm going to do. So, you know, when it comes to my mindset mentality and stuff that uh, when we get knocked out for a fire, um, I think one of the biggest things for me is to we're going, I'm looking at the computer, I'm reading comments, I'm listening to radio traffic, I'm listening to the fire channel. I'm, li- You know, when you ride that front right seat, there's a lot going on more than just pushing the siren and blowing the air horn. And we all know that. And, and just taking in the information, uh, based on whatever the information I'm getting is kind of putting my mind into a certain, uh, certain game plan. Me going to the middle of the row, three-story versus going to a uh, two-and-a-half-story to three-story Victorian-style home is going to change, you know, immensely. Or to a or to a one-story shotgun in the in the in the ghetto or something, or going to a good housing. So, um, the biggest thing for me is is as I'm pulling up, I try to see three sides because our ladder comp- company tries to hit three sides. Let's say we're taking that residential. As we're pulling up, I see one side, the front. And as we're pulling up, I know that when I step around that truck and take my time putting my air pack on, I'm going to see that third side. So talking about the 360, when we started pushing the 360 in the fire service, which we've talked about it for years, but you know now it's a big deal, especially with short staffing. 
And a lot of times it doesn't get done, and it's because either we have a very inexperienced officer or incident commander, and they are – it's not so much tunnel vision that there's else going on that nobody checks the rear. And I'm guilty of it myself because of things having to be done. So I kind of said, I'm going to fix this problem, but I'm going to make help everybody in the process. So when we pull up on that residential fire, one of the very first things that I decided to do and I've got my driver, uh, my drivers as they rotate. We rotate drivers because we don't have driving positions. So each person on the truck is trained and is, trust me, they've got this down pretty good. Uh, their job is to get to the rear. And what they do is this. And, and I've told a lot of departments, I've, I've spoke about what we do. They've changed the way that their drivers on their trucks do things now because of that, because it made sense to them. So as we're pulling up, my driver, he gets off the truck. If we're leaving the firehouse, day or night, he puts his bunker pants on if it comes as a working fire or a structure fire. And that's one less thing he has to put on at the scene. Behind his seat is a roll-up door on the cab. He's going to put his coat on. He's going to put his uh, air pack on. He's going to put everything on, including his gloves. My guys, I require my guys along with me as we come off the truck to have our gloves on. We have our on. That is my rule on the truck because you all have seen it just like I've seen it. We've seen guys be at the front door and it takes them forever to get their PPE on to go to work. Okay. So uh, I've got guys that can put their mask on with their gloves on and fully covered in less than 15 seconds. And what's about that is, is we are not losing that opportunity of time. We are getting into these people. We're not sitting at the front door, wasting two minutes trying to unfold our gloves because they were wet from the last shift, trying to put them on, you know, messing with our mask or anything like that. So that's, that's key in knowing that. So that driver, he has his gloves on. He goes to the rear of the truck. He pulls a 28. I don't care if it's a, uh, a one-story, two-story, or three-story. He's pulling a 28-foot ladder. He's got a halligan, and he's got a hook that are mounted to the ladder, okay? He takes off with the, uh, the butt out in front of him, just like, we're, you know, we carry it. And my, here's my rule. My rule is, is that, that the department chief cannot stop my guy from the rear of the structure. Um, and that is a fight that, as an officer, I'll take that. I've never had that issue because our, our, our chiefs on scene, they know what we're doing. They know what I've got my guys doing, and they love it, too, because you'll see what, what I mean by that. But uh, it's kind of like the FDNY, the roof man. He cannot be deterred from making the roof at any time for any reason because his job is so important. That's how it kind of reads for us. So he's going to go to the rear. The very first thing he's going to do, he's going to throw his 28-foot ladder up onto the, onto the structure. Now, of course, if there's a rescue to be made, he's going to make it. But he doesn't throw that ladder in any particular place right now. The reason for that is, is we're just getting it up. That way we don't put it on the ground and have to pick it up again later. I can roll it wherever I need it now. So the next thing he's going to do, he's going to lay his tools by the back door, lean them up against the back door, and then he's going to say, ladder one driver, ladder one alpha. And I'll say, go ahead. He goes, Cap, I got heavy smoke showing on the third floor at the Bridal Charlie Corner. I've got no fire showing this time. I've got bars on the basement windows. I repeat, I have a basement with bars on the windows. I'm going to start a, a search in the back door in just a moment. I'll advise. Who hears that? Every person responding on scene, the instant commander, the engine company, the, the second do engine company, the heavy rescue, the other ladder company that's coming, they're hearing this 
because a 360 has been done in the rear. Okay, so I put eyes in the rear and I put work in the rear. So what he's going to do now is he's going to take his Halligan residential door. He's going to baseball swing and he's the door open. He's going to pull it back close, put his Halligan up against the side of the, the house there. He's going to put his mask on as fast as he can. He's going to open the door. He's going to hook the hook on the jam. He's going to crawl to the end of that hook, keeping his foot on it. So there's a six-foot hook with a six-foot guy. That's 12 feet with a foot and a half of reach, maybe. So we're right at over about 13 feet over, searching inside the back door. So he's going to tell me, or the instant commander, when he's made entry into the rear door. He doesn't find anyone, great. He comes back out. The biggest thing that he does, the most important thing he does, he closes the door back. We're not creating that flow path, that low pressure coming in and that high pressure coming out and that fire moving toward that door. So then what he's going to do, he's going to take that ladder, heavy smoke showing on the third floor. He's pretty sure based on where it's at that it's in that corner bedroom or corner room, whatever that room is. He's going to raise that ladder based on wind conditions, and he's going to go up there, and he's going to be very patient because he now becomes the outside vent man. He's now the outside vent man. He's waiting for that engine company to tell him to take that window or if the engine company we're running with is not used to saying that or it's a, a new officer or an acting officer or they just forgot, he's going to hear that hose line start to work that part of the structure. He's going to start taking that window because it still has to have somewhere to go. So what if he has a rescue? He's going to make the rescue. What if the window is already self-ventilated and that's where it's at? He will take his ladder and he will either put it at a window for a secondary means of egress or he will put it to the roof line for a secondary means of egress for that ladder company on the backside. So that's what my driver does. The mentality that you were asking for me is my biggest thing is getting in that structure and clearing that structure as fast as possible. And then I'll do whatever I have to do after that. If we are assigned to get to the roof, my guys, we're just going to look at it real quick. We're going to determine where to go and how to cut it. We cut holes very quick. We use West Coast style stuff and we use Midwest stuff. And it's a very quick cut and it's worked for us. Um, but my biggest mindset is finding someone in that structure and having the ability to say, primary search is, is clear on whatever floor we're on. That makes me happy to say that because nobody's in peril, you know, but if somebody needs to be rescued, I want it to be me or my crew find them. I want it to be us because I know that, that we're going to do everything we can to get somebody out of there. Let me throw one more thing in there because this is kind of a fire nugget as I'm thinking about it. If we do find someone second or third floor, Let's go ahead and make that, and it's, let's say it's an obese person. And we've got, if you've never pulled somebody to a window and transitioned them over a window, that is tough as hell, especially when you're tired. You are spent. The toughest transition is over that windowsill. Drop that window out make a door. If you have a firefighter down or you have an obese victim, bring them straight out onto the ladder. In Lexington, we're big on knowing the lengths of our ladders and marrying them up and having two and three ladders beside each other working. It's more foot space. It's more place for rescuers. It's a place for a rescuer inside to come out and take a breather while another fresh body goes in. If you've got multiple children that be passed off, you've got firemen coming up one side, grabbing a child, stepping over and coming down. It's like a conveyor belt. So we like to throw multiple ladders at a window. So we're not having to deal with the transition on that. We slide them straight out into the arms of the rescuers on the ladder. 
I really wish that Denver knew that so we would never, ever know what the Denver girl was. I wish they would have taken sledges, knocked the, the facade of the, of the brick off, and cut it and slid him out. And, you know, it always takes something bad in the fire service for us to change something. But that is my plan if we ever have an obese person. Or if I've got a limited amount of people there and we can't make it over the transition, let the saw work for you and drop it out and slide them out. There's nothing in the game book says you can't do that. So um, I'm always going against the game book sometimes because it's not about me. It's about the person who who's paying my salary and expects me to come there and and whatever John Eversole from Chicago Fire Department said, he expects an Olympic athlete to show up to do this, to do that, blah, blah, blah. That's exactly what they're paying for. Hey, Arthur, real quick. Um, As, and there's, yeah. There's some great nuggets you threw out there, too. Um, talk to us a little bit about vent or search. I know that's always a big topic in the fire service, and there's the, the, the right way, the wrong way, and no way to do it sometimes. But um, there's a lot of people who talk about it, but then the, the practice that they put into uh, in the play sometimes doesn't uh, actually follow what they're supposed to be doing. So can you talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of VES force? Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing about the one of the biggest things about VES that I've learned about traveling around is people think it's the most dangerous type of search there is. And it's actually the safest form of search there is because the, the most dangerous type of search is me crawling into a house through a door. I don't know where I'm going. I've got an idea where I'm going, but I don't really know what I'm crawling into. On VES, we're, we're basically going to a room that 98.9% of the time, 99.9% of the time is a bedroom. And it's either going to be 8 by 8, 8 by 10, 10 by 10, 10 by 12, 12 by 14, 12 by 16. It's going to be there. It's either going to have an ensuite for the people from Kentucky that may be listening. That's a master bathroom. It's going to have an ensuite or a, clo- a walk-in closet. And it's going to be a, what? a room with a, an, an ensuite. You've never heard you, an ensuite? You, we'll, we'll talk about that later. No, sir. <laughs> so so you've got this area to search it's not a big area people it may be cluttered and hoarded up but it's not a big area you have a door nine times out of ten is straight across from the window that you're going into all right so can we do an inventory search by ourselves absolutely we can it's been done i've done it i've done it but the biggest key is communication i tell command uh, ladder one alpha command doing a single man inventor search on the second floor. I'm on the, on the Delta side, second floor window closest to the alpha side. I'll advise. I leave it open ended because I'm either going to find someone or I'm going to give him a negative call. So another thing that, that, that people don't understand, I mean, it is the safest form of search because you're in a controlled environment. You are controlling that environment. If you can close that door or if you remember to close that door, Air Fire Academy, you will not remember, you will not forget to close that door because you have live fire on the other side of it that is rolling that you will remember to close the door on our veneer search. So the key, there's, there's things about it that I don't like that people do. I am totally against going headfirst into it. And here's why you can take your halligan all day long and sweep the floor floor is not there's nothing there then you sound the floor you're not going to know you are not going to know if that's going to hold 250 pounds plus of firemen until you put your weight on it you're not going to know so going head first in just because you've got heavy smoke blowing out you once you've committed past your waist and into uh, to your knees you're you're committed you're not coming back out 
you're either going to have to have somebody pull you out or you're going to have to go in and go back out. So I tell guys this, go up. When you take the top window, the window pane, you're letting the room start to rise. You take the bottom window pane, the room will continue to rise, you know, if there's any smoke. Take the sash. Don't hit the sash in the middle because it will bounce on these insulated windows because this vinyl and stuff's pretty tough. Don't use a New York hook. It's not got enough ass to break this stuff. you got to have a halligan to do that. Hit it where it's connected on both sides and it'll drop. If you've got mini blinds there, and I know every one of you all, you're not, probably not going to admit it, but I'll admit I've got tangled up mini blinds before that I thought I was going to kill somebody. So I had somebody teach me, teach me how to do that correctly. You take your hook. We've all put them up for our wives and girlfriends. We know how they're made. Plastic piece holding them on the side and all that stuff. Plastic piece hard on the top. That's where it rolls up and comes up and down. You take your hook right in the middle of it, push in and up, and the whole thing drops, and you're not even caught into it. Wow. So we then, the room is starting to rise. Let's say I've got heavy smoke. doesn't matter. I'm, going, I'm, I'm right-handed. Unless I have to, I am going in with my right leg in first, my right hand in first, and I keep my head and my upper body down low. Then I'm going to put my left leg over the windowsill, and I'm going to back in and low. Why do I do that? I have control of my body. I have control if something happens. I can pull myself back out that window. So I'm going to let myself down, touch the floor. I'm not a guy that uses a hook at the window. If you use a hook at the window to find it, that's great. I think it's great. If there's somebody at the window to talk to you, that's great. For somebody there's a tick telling you to go where, that's great. But today's time, you don't have, a lot of places don't have the staffing for that because there's so much going on. But when you get to that door, before you ever close that door, or before you get to the door and find it's closed, open the door, feel of it first, back of your hand, open the door a little bit, then open it up if it's clear, hook your right foot on the door jam, go in the hallway and sweep to the right, come back in, hook your left foot under the door jam, sweep the floor out there, then come back in and close the door. Start your search. This search should be so fast it's not funny. If you're messing with beds, if you're messing with beds, I missed a little girl in 1997. My partner came in the room, which he usually didn't do, and he found her on the bed. It, it turned out to be okay, but I beat myself up so bad she was wrapped up in a comforter. I said, that will never happen again. That will never happen again. So the way I clear beds is now I will take my leg and sweep underneath all the way around. Now, you got to remember, people slide Tupperware, totes, and all that stuff underneath there. A small child can slide in between a piece of that. You've got to check everything. They like to hide in those places. Once I've cleared that, I will go to the end of the bed. I will start pulling the comforter and all that stuff off. Then I'll pull the sheet. And if I go to pull the fitted sheet off, or I pull something, I feel bugging, that tells me. They're on top of that sheet. That's either an animal or a person. I'm going to pull them to me if I can, or I'm going to go up and find them. If I pull all the sheets to me and I don't find anything, everything's pulled out on the floor in front of the bed. Then I do a X. I make an X on the bed, and I sweep it. How do guys know it's been cleared on our department? Everything's pulled to the end of the bed and piled up Okay, afterwards. If you find a single, a twin, or a full bed, check for bunk beds above. You find a a a a, 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 a baby's bed or, or a crib. Got to remember 
when you're in a fire, the heat can change 100 degrees for every foot going up. We're on the floor, and the victims are on the floor where it's the coolest. You find a crib, don't stand up and reach and grab a child and bring them up into that heat. Pull the crib to you. What's going to happen is everything's going to fall down into that corner, and you can put it on your legs, and you can feel in there because you don't have to get under the crib. Put it on your legs. Feel in there. If you find a child, got to remember this. You find a child, don't get excited and take off. There could be twins. There could be a visiting child. There could be an animal in there. I'm a big animal lover. I'll grab animals all day long. Um, And so once you've cleared that room, come back out the window, okay? That is the way to do it. There's no – there is no – it's not hard to do. I mean, but it's like anything in the fire service, and you guys know this – we could go teach something somewhere together, and we've made it as clear as, as, as mud to some people, but they still want to make it harder than it has to be. They want to overthink and second-guess and stuff. No, go in, you know, closets. Everything gets bathtubs. Everything gets searched. You know, the biggest thing is close that door. What if you can't close the door? Well, you're going to have to do a search quickly because you just now, your action of taking that window has created a reaction of fire, heat, products of combustion and all that stuff coming that direction. I will bet my paycheck all day long it's headed that way because you've got low pressure coming in on the bottom of the window, drawn across the floor, high pressure from the smoke and everything, drawing into that room, and what does it want? Oxygen. It may light up above your head because the oxygen level may be just perfect or outside that window. Just like uh, Rick Van Zandt in Indianapolis, he caught so much hell for making entry into that room across that bed to find that woman. I think you guys remember that on Ben Inner Search. He took a beating from people. And it was from people who had never done that before in their life. And the rest of us are going, he couldn't get the door closed. I know the guy. He's a huge guy. He's a great guy. He's a fireman. He couldn't get the door closed because there's a rolled up piece of carpet in the door. Okay? So what, what happened was he took the window. He's created an opening. That fire was burning uh, intensely enough found that, 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 that area where it's open, and it's going that direction. He just had enough time to get across the floor, back onto the bed and out the window, to the point to where he had to bail out. Things happen, people. This is a dangerous job, and if you don't forget it's dangerous, look on the inside of your helmet, your bunker pants, your coat. It will say firefighting is an inherently dangerous occupation, which may cause injury or death. If you thought it was a T-shirt club, you need to go find another job because um, – this is a blue-collar job. You're going to get dirty. You're going to see bad things. It's it's dirty work. It is an adult job. It's a job for someone who has their shit together. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak. It's not for the ones who don't have courage. Uh, it's not for the ones who are not to take a beating to get to someone. And it's definitely not for someone who just will write somebody off because – they just write them off. I am not for that. So um, that is my view on VES in a nutshell. Arthur, I really appreciate that. And um, one of the things, we, we talk a lot about these different things. I know we can go on forever and ever about them because we all have a lot of passion about it. Uh, there's a lot of great people out there in the industry, you know, yourself included in this, who have a passion for truck work and who will share these nuggets with everybody. I know Mike Champo does some great ladder work. Uh, he's got some awesome videos out there about laddering on uneven surfaces and thinking outside the box. But 
I, I still say, you know, this really begins with our basic training because we're, we're so afraid sometimes in the, uh, in the academy settings or the basic training settings, they're not showing people how to uh, throw equipment on top of or marry up the ladders and throw equipment on top and drag it to the rear of a structure. I tell my guys at work, if you wear out the tips and the butts of my ladders, we'll replace them. Not a big deal. That's, that's why they're riveted in. That's why we can replace them. They're, they are replaceable. But, you know, we, we kind of we instill this fear sometimes in the very beginning that these ladders are something that not to be touched or they're a special piece of equipment. They're a basic piece of equipment, no different than your air pack. And I don't care whether you're on an engine, you're on a truck, you might be on a medic unit that gets assigned to suppression and you might be throwing that first ladder off the engine company. You need to be proficient with it. Um, and, you know, just kind of round this out a little bit. Uh, you know, Ben, I want to kind of go back to you. Uh, I know you've had the opportunity to you know, work in, on the Eastern shore of Maryland on, in two larger departments down there. Um, you know, what do you see as being the focus for ladder work? Are, are we, are we hitting the mark or, or where do we need to do, make some improvements? I think um, I think where we're going is hitting the mark. Um, I, I want to back to Arthur. He he made the comment through through um, you know talking about VES and and doing truck stuff without trucks. It's a mindset. You know, it doesn't matter what you're riding. If I know that if I'm going to be arriving on the second due engine and our truck in Salisbury's tied up, like we're not like we have to know that we're going to do truck stuff. Like we arrived, we had a we had a fire in our in our Camden area, uh, older house, and and uh, we were the second arriving truck or second arriving engine. Like the call was that we're going in over ladders to do search on the second floor. Fires on the first floor. They had already taken two people off the balcony in the second and the rear. Like we have to finish the search. We have to make sure that the rest of that floor is clear. And there was never a question of where we were going or what how we we're going to get there. The first floor is all all bugged up with the guys on the line and going in to put the fire out. Like there's, there was no question. It, it's a mindset that you have to have. And it's when, when you pull up and you know that you're going to, or you think that you might have to fill those roles as the trunk company, like it's, it's all about getting the job done. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I don't think we've talked about yet in, in the, the phrase that I don't think we've used so far through any of our, our webcasts is the violence of action. You know, you pull up and you see something that um, that requires you to be quick, fast, and aggressive, then that's what you have to do. You know, forcing the door to get in. Like, yeah, we can, you know, maybe we'll go through the lock. Maybe we'll do this. You know what? Break the door down, get the hell out of the way, and go put the fire out. Um, you know, Jimmy just commented, um, you know, we found that crib on the second floor. We came in over ladders like that. We knew that they were taking a, a baby and a, a mother or a grandmother out the rear. So, you know, again, like Arthur was saying, is there one kid in there? Is there two? You know, who knows what's going on? But you have to get in there and do your job. You know, we said at the beginning, search is very important. You know, you have to have that search culture that we're going to go in and we're going to do our job and we're not going to leave until we know that that it's clear. And we're going to we're going to get it done. So I, I think that's that's the big thing for me is having the mindset that you're going to go and you're going to have to bust your ass to make sure that you do your job and make sure that it's right. And that's it doesn't matter if you're pulling the line, or if you're throwing ladders, whatever it is, just go do your job, because if you're not doing it, who is so and have that mindset of that's what you're going to do. 
So sorry, I got a little, I may got a little carried away there, but I don't care. That's, <laughs> that's, that the, that's what the passion's all about, brother. Everybody on here shares it. Um, Bobby, what are, what are some of your comments kind of closing out on this? Well, um, it's great to have Arthur on here, and uh, I really do appreciate uh, you truck guys kind of teaching the dumb engine guy a little bit more about what has to happen on the fire ground. Um, you know, I always I liken it to uh, I, I always wanted to be a country singer, and I'm not a country singer, but, you know, every time I take a shower, I'm, I'm a country singer. So maybe instead of when I'm in the shower, I'll be thinking about truck work <laughs> this time, and maybe I'll be a truck guy. You'll be in the shower pulling no, no. your hose. So, I really appreciate Arthur coming. That's great. Sorry, that was too easy. <laughs> so, uh, no, really, really good stuff, Arthur. And, and the attitude for the engine guys is it should be the same thing. Nobody's going to beat me into my fire. Nobody's going to find that fire. Um, you know, if you're a search and rescue, nobody else is going to find that kid but us. You know, I, I think those are all those are all my take-home points for tonight that I, I you know, I've listened to everybody talk. So, um I really, it's, it has been a good conversation for me and uh, I appreciate Arthur coming. Yeah, so, absolutely. Thanks everybody. And uh, real quick, I'll, I'll give a couple final comments. I want to give Arthur the last word before he uh, take it to Ben for the conclusion. But uh, Arthur really, look, he just left us. Um, <laughs> Arthur, really appreciate you being on with us tonight. Um, like I say, we've known him for a long, long time. You can tell the passion in his voice, the, uh, the passion in his teaching. Uh, your guy teaches all around the country, FDIC, a lot of other places, and uh, definitely knows the business. And, you know, it doesn't take long to talk to the guy and you figure out he's all about the fire service and all about the truck. And, uh, you know, really, really a genuine. Oh, look, you came back. Thank you. Um, but I was saying nice stuff about you, Arthur. <laughs> now I got to touch you, but uh, we, we do appreciate you being on and sharing these nuggets with us. It was nice, and- stu- it was nice stuff I, I wasn't meant to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah well, if you had to hear that stuff about Bobby in the shower this is this is much better than that so this is this is wonderful but no we do appreciate you being on and uh you know share sharing some of that uh knowledge skills and abilities and just you know having this kitchen table conversation with us because uh, I've seen in the comments over here on the right scroll and there's a lot of great firefighters who are tuning in um, a lot of guys I've done some truck work with and I know the, they have great voices too but spreading this information, being able to get it out there. And, um, you know, I, I was saying, you know, all the teachers or all the classes that you teach around the country, FDIC, all these places, it's about sharing this information and making us better at our trade, better at our craft. And yeah, we always have that friendly rivalry between maybe this truck, that truck, this engine, that engine. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we, we try to make those things uh, an inspiration for us to be better at our jobs. Like all of you have said, you know, we want to be that person to find that, uh, to borrow your, some of your words, Bobby, you know, that five-year-old kid at the end of the hallway in the flannel pajamas. And, you know, Arthur, to your point, and I'm glad you brought this up, um, right, right underneath here, you can't see him. Well, you can see his paw a little bit. But if, 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 you, can, if you can miss an animal, you can miss a kid. If you can miss a kid, you can miss an animal. And, um, you know, we, we've, all, we've all had that one call where we remember where, oh, man, you know, I, I probably should have searched that better. I didn't think, but we, we don't let it happen again. And we, and we pass that on to somebody else to make sure that we never miss that, uh, that opportunity to go down that hallway and, and find that kid. And I know there's some people online uh, tonight watching. Same thing. Um, you know, good, good brother of ours, excellent fireman, one of the people I have the most respect for in the fire service. He kept that obituary of that kid on his refrigerator for a long time. 
and ate him up. And I know that wasn't wasn't his fault, but that's how much passion, that's how much he cared about not finding a kid. And uh, but you know, I guarantee that he gave every possible effort and used that as a teaching point as an instructor. So you know, much love and respect for that kind of thing. Um, Arthur, before I turn it over to you, just want to say thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing some of your experience with us. And as always, you stay safe and keep on keeping on. So, brother, I'll turn it to you, and then we'll go to Ben for a conclusion. You know, I, anytime you guys want to talk truck work, you call my phone number because, man, I just it's a passion for me just to talk truck work in itself. Um, and that's one thing that you just said that, um, you know, I have screwed up a lot in the fire service, but I have always tried to figure out what I could do to have made it better. Um, you know, missing that little girl, I said, I'll never do that again. And I changed the way I did things to, to do, you know, change that. I give you another example. I had a, a, a ladder officer. He was a mentor of mine. I love this guy. I'd do anything for this guy. And part of my job when we were downtown was to, when we were going, was to hit the alleyway with a 28th ladder. And you know how we're taught? We're taught to carry the butt in first because we're going to slam that ladder down and raise it. Well, <clears throat> I was finding in alleyways that when I would take it in butt first, I was having a hard time of raising it because of, of service drops, overhangs, just different stuff. And it was I was either failing and getting the ladder up, or it was taking too long. One day he came around the alleyway and he said, he saw me and he says, why is that ladder not up? I said, boss, I got it, got it up. And I said, I have absolutely let him down. And it, it, it bothered me so much that I changed the way I did things. So I teach now and I've never seen anybody else teach it. I've never heard it called this or whatever, but you know, I taught it in Maryland to some guys. They'd never thought about it and they went away to some areas that had that had alleyways and stuff. And I call it tips to the alley. I never take butt of a ladder into an alleyway ever again, because when I take the tips in, I can shoot it underneath overhangs and service drops and stuff and use the other buildings versus, you know, taking the butt in. So I, I've always tried to take a moment of failure or screwing up and look at it from every angle and figure out a way to do it better. Um, have I still failed? Of course I'm human. Um, but that's kind of one of the things I kind of prided myself in over the years, just as a firefighter too. I never gave up because I was wanting to be the best at the craft. I was wanting to be the best firefighter riding the back step. I was wanting to be the best Lieutenant. I wanted to be the best captain. I wanted to be the best truck officer in the city you know, in the state or whatever, you know, I wanted to go to those fires. I wanted the experience and stuff. And just passing on what you know is phenomenal. And I tell guys this, and I'll close with this. If there's young guys out there listening and there's old guys in your fire department, 20 plus years, 25 years, 30 years, whatever, and they're getting ready to retire or, or they have getting ready to go off on retirement, move somewhere else, pull them into the firehouse, bend their ear, ask as much as you can and pass that on because once that experience and knowledge and street smarts and skills and tips and tricks and all that stuff, once it's gone out the door and you didn't ask about it, you'll never know it. There's things that I've figured out over the years that, that, that I'm sure other people have done it, but I didn't invent it, but I figured it out on my own that I've 
passed on to other guys. It's made their job either a lot safer, a lot smarter, a lot easier. Uh, so bend those ears of those guys who have the experience. But when you're sitting at that firehouse table and you're smart enough to know this from the first day you sat at that table, you should know this. You should know who to listen to and who not to listen to. If you've got a 25 guy who's repeated his first year, 25 years, that's not the guy you want to bend his ear. If you've got a 25-year guy who, who, who has learned and this and that, and he's got a great you know, attitude because those attitudes are contagious, that's the guy you want to follow, and that's the guy you want to ask questions, especially if he's honest. And what I mean by that is don't follow a guy who gives you an answer just to be giving you an answer. Follow the guy who will look at you and say, I don't know, but let's find out. I don't know. Let's try that. I don't know. Let's see if we can do that. That's the guy you want to follow. So, guys, I appreciate you having me on here. This has been fun. All right, Ben, take us home. All right. I'm fixing something else right here. All right, there we go. Sorry about that. Hey, thanks, everybody, again, for joining in uh, and watching. Cap, thanks for joining us from Lexington, even though, uh, you know, that whole Kentucky Internet's a little slow. We sure do appreciate the bourbon (laughs) and the whiskey. So thank you for coming. Absolutely. Um, We'll definitely have to get you back on with us. Uh, Trevor, Bobby, it's always a great time having a, having a chat with you guys. Uh, for everybody out there in, in the social media land, on the YouTube world, if you guys look across the bottom right now, there's our website, our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, all of it. So if you want to reach out, you have questions, you have comments, whatever it is that you want to know or that you want to ask us, please, please, please reach out and let us know. Um, again, great conversation, great topic. Um, I think, you know, we really got a lot out of tonight. Um, thanks for everybody in the comments. And then uh, the next couple of weeks, we got some great topics coming up. We're going to be talking, uh, trying to work out a, a gentleman from uh, Ketchikan, Alaska, to talk about short staffing, uh, running the engines and trucks with, with less than what we would like. And then as we move into the summer, we're going to do some water rescue stuff, too. So please continue to watch our social media the Facebook and, uh, and the website as we update and as we move forward. So thank you guys. Be safe, stay well, and we'll see you in two weeks.